What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another BTR podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. So without a further ado, let me introduce him. He's a senior NHL writer for ESPN, and you can catch him on various different podcasts and radio shows throughout Canada and the U.S. He also has his own podcast, which he hosts with Arda O'Kell called The Drop. We're joined by Greg Wyshynski today. Hey, Hello. Greg, how's it going? I'm good, man. I think it's a good way to describe my my uh, content output. Various things across the US <laughs> and Canada. It's like, yeah. no way. You know, I, I host a food podcast. I host a comedy podcast. There's a hockey podcast. I write on a thing. Like, it's a lot of stuff. So I, I think I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, no, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Uh, and I know it's a busy time. The season just starting up. So uh, thank you for making the time for us. And uh, hopefully we impress you a little bit here too yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay uh well, let's get right into it um off the bat first thing the biggest story of probably the off season um leading into the regular season is the whole pride jersey to now pride tape fiasco so just a quick timeline for everybody uh nhl banned like i guess the pride jersey during warm-ups along with um other jersey nights for example for the canucks uh diwali night for the south asians or black history month and around the league, hockey fights cancer. I think you could correct me if I'm wrong on some of this, but um, and then recently they decided to br- uh, ban Pride tape, which obviously everybody was like, "What? Wh- why?" And a- after uh, Travis Dermott was uh, the first player to w- uh, put the tr- uh, Pride tape on his stick, it, they decided to rescind it. So your overall reaction and of first the initial situation and then getting it canceled uh sorry getting it banned and then unbanned at the same time well i mean the initial situation is what it is i mean they obviously are uh placating a small minority of players who were made to feel uncomfortable by having to participate in pride night um because the teams were sort of mandating it a little bit by saying here are all your jerseys and your lockers just wear them so they were trying to make sure that those people weren't called out like they were last season and they were also trying to keep the teams off the hook because if you remember there's a few teams that also decided not to do pride night because they were worried about some of their players particularly the russian players um obviously i don't agree with that decision but the logic is there and the nhlpa uh didn't fight back on it because they also have to represent both the players that don't want to participate in things like pride night as well as the players that do um so that decision was made and uh, it was big and controversial but then we got to the point of overreach i think everybody can agree that that it's overreach to say that uh you're going to honor the beliefs and uh, philosophies of of a minority of players uh, but then don't honor those beliefs of the majority of your players and by taking away the opportunity to use pride tape as players have done for the last six or seven seasons um you're basically saying you know we uh hockey is for everyone but we don't want you to display that on the ice so i give full marks to the nhl players coalition which is a committee that the nhl started uh to try to improve access to the game diversity in the game because they really kind of drove the bus a little bit on getting the conversation going about reinstating pride tape this was after the memo to the teams that banned it um and so they, they met uh, like a week ago, and then Travis Dermott puts the pride tape on a stick as he's done in previous seasons as sort of a statement. And then also on Monday, uh, Scotiabank in Canada started giving away 5,000 rolls, I believe it was, of pride tape. 
specifically saying we want to do this because we want to show that hockey is inclusive. And I have it on, on good authority and, and it's sourced that the campaign that they did was in direct relation to the NHL banning it. Um, so those two things happen. And then lo and behold, uh, after those conversations, with the league and the players coalition, the decision is reversed and uh, it's the right call. I mean, the, the idea that something as innocuous as that couldn't be done on the ice during a regular game or on pride night is is ridiculous the nhl's uh, kind of response to that is that they found it was going to be an end around they called it of the jersey ban um and they were they thought okay well this is just going to be another thing where people are looking who's using it who's not and then you know going after the players who's not but for me man it's like i think the conversation changes once it becomes a personal choice when it becomes not mandated but uh something that somebody's doing voluntarily i think the people that are doing it like we saw with travis Dermott. If, if you're doing it voluntarily, fans are going to celebrate you. Like, we didn't – the reaction to Dermot was not, oh, look at the other 19 guys that didn't do it. Like, the reaction was, hey, that's awesome. This guy did it. And I think that once you make it voluntary, it changes the conversation. It's no longer players boycotting something, but it's players voluntarily participating in something. And I think uh, at the end of the day, the, the right call was made. Yeah, um, I wonder what the backlash would have been if he was, for whatever reason, suspended a game or like fined whatever amount. Because it was, I'm sure it would have been like a massive backlash, not just from reporters and players. And, you know, because Brian Burke has publicly said, uh, I'm willing to pay the fine if there's a fine, right? And he's been a big component on it. Yeah, that GoFundMe for Travis Dermont would have popped pretty quick, I think, if he had gotten fined. But, um, no, I mean, the PA was sort of waiting to see what their league's reaction was going to be. They didn't want to be proactive on this. I think that they were going to kind of react to whatever the league decided to do. And and for a while, it was it was kind of up in the air publicly. But again, behind the scenes, they had the meeting about the pride tape issue. There was momentum already to get this thing overturned. I think the, the Travis thing pushed it over the top. Maybe the Scotiabank thing had some influence on it. I can't be sure, but I think it's a reasonable question to ask. And then you also had the first Pride night of the season coming up this Friday, uh, or coming up the Friday after Dermot taped his stick uh, in Arizona. So there were some pressure points along the way that the NHL had to deal with. And um, and because of that, I think that's how we, we reached the decision. But again, like the, the thing they didn't anticipate, and it's it's because they're very short-sighted on a lot of these things, is how much attention this got outside of the hockey sphere. I mean... I've done shows that are not hockey shows about this issue. Uh, it's been covered by websites uh, and, and and social media feeds that have millions of followers that are there for like who Ariana Grande is dating uh, that are covering this issue. Like they had no idea how big this was going to get um, and how petty they were going to look. And it's not a, a huge surprise. I don't think that they reversed the policy on this one. Um, do you see a world where maybe next year or the year after they go back I guess very quickly go back to the pregame jerseys because obviously here in Vancouver, we're Punjabi from the Sikh religion. They do Diwali night, right? And then the cultural jerseys, Pedersen had his name written in Punjabi, right? So obviously that holds yeah. a lot of power when you do the auctions and stuff. And I'm sure same thing with Black History Month for Dakota Joshua, Indigenous people when um, Ethan Bear was here. Do you see a world where they'll go back to it because, you know, charities might not be making as much because a player-worn jersey is different than just a simple autograph jersey as well. Yeah, that's my theory too. I I, I think two things in that. Um, you know, they're going to be collecting, I think, data this season to really understand what the impact financially was for these charities. Now, 
it's hard to really quantify the visibility aspect of it. I had somebody in San Jose um, who works for a, an organization that helps um, like troubled gay youths uh, in, in, in locally in San Jose tell me that like the Sharks not wearing those jerseys had an incredibly uh, bad impact on on what the, the, the visibility of their flight basically. And like, you can't really quantify that, but you can quantify how much these jerseys draw at auction. And the teams are still making them. The NHL said, you know, still make these jerseys. Players can't wear them, but still make them if you want to auction them off. And, and truth be told, the first couple of auctions that have happened that have, you know, pulled in some pretty decent money. I don't know if that's going to be an anomaly. People want to like overly support the causes because the players aren't wearing them. I'm not sure what that noise is, but there's no question that the jerseys are still raising money, which is great news for the charities. Um, so I think they'll take that data and then, you know, see how it compares to previous seasons with game worn jerseys. And then I also think that like, as we saw with the Dermot thing, and as we'll see with the pride tape stuff, I think the further we get away from what they perceive to be the demonization of certain players for not participating in these things, the better it's going to be for the players who do want to participate to maybe have a chance to. So if they're still making the jerseys, and you don't you no longer have a mandate that players have to wear them and it's not going to be you know 19 guys wearing it and then one guy not and you make it voluntary i think there's a path towards maybe allowing players to represent these causes as you said with the diwali jerseys and also like hispanic heritage night and places like that artists making these jerseys and they're great and they're awesome and, and putting the spotlight on them um, I think there's a path towards maybe having players independently wear these jerseys if they're available while not having the same sort of everybody wears it together type thing. Uh, okay, we'll move on to a different topic because we could honestly talk about this for the whole time. Um, <laughs> well, before we get into the teams, because um, we'll, we'll make that like a more of a quick fire, rapid fire thoughts. Because uh, another thing I want to talk about is the viewership in general. So you you cover the NHL in America. You're also American um, Devils fan, I, from what I hear. And uh, that's, a good, that's a good choice. <laughs> but uh, how oh, is it? Co- <laughs> how is it covering the NHL um, in America when where it's predominantly you know NBA and the NFL and maybe college football also dominates the scene? Um, should you're you're obviously on ESPN. So should more ESPN shows talk about the nhl like first take and get up i know i'm not sure how much you could say about that but like other shows as well now get up that early um no <laughs> <laughs> i i got I mean, the thing about so it's kind of two separate questions i think i think on the on the espn front uh since we got the rights obviously there's been a, a much larger investment in um putting the nhl on different properties and trying to get as much coverage as we can about the league than there was in, in previous rights holders deals in the US. I mean, like we had, uh, we have a show called The Point, which is like an hour long uh, show that uh, is specifically about hockey. Uh, NBC, as far as I know, during their entire time, uh, having the NHL rights from like 2005 through uh, 2000, well, whatever the hell last, like three or four years was, uh, didn't have any like, uh, dedicated hour of programming on a weekly basis to hockey. Uh, the fact that you're seeing people like Austin Matthews on the Pat McAfee show, that's a huge deal. That's reaching audiences that maybe not aren't necessarily watching the sport. So, you know, the, the people looking for, you know, PTI or, or first take to hash out the second unit of the Edmonton Oilers power play, like, and it, it probably ain't going to happen. Like the <laughs> NFL 
is a big deal. And they're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys a lot on those shows. Um, but I do think that, I, and I've been personally really impressed with how much hockey has gotten some shine from other shows and certainly gotten a lot more real estate on our network than it has in previous rights deals. As far as like making and bringing hockey to a U.S. audience, like it's been my job since I got started. Like when I, I started Puck Daddy at Yahoo, my whole gig was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to reach those audiences that are watching basketball and football and, and are like in, in, just obsessed with those storylines that those sports give you and let them know that hockey has its own stuff going on. So, you know, me personally, like I've always been writing for a, a huge general audience. I've always been trying to expand the tent of hockey fandom in the U S and I think there are definitely ways to do it. And I think that since I started that the media has gotten better at, at knowing how to do it, like knowing, put the emphasis on the players, put the emphasis on rivalries, uh, you know, put the emphasis on the playoffs when hockey's at its best. Like, I, I think the conversations move towards places that are um, an, an easier sell to audiences than, oh my God, these people are skating on Ginzu knives on ice and everybody's Canadian, which is like what <laughs> most people in the US are saying about hockey and they get very scared. I think, I think uh, people have gotten better at selling the sport to U.S. fans. Uh, just to follow up, so like you mentioned Pat McAfee's show, and uh, obviously it's crazy seeing his reactions. He loves the hits and stuff. So like, what do you have to say for his show, like how he's promoting hockey, like how he has these last couple of weeks? He had Bedard awesome. on and he's Canadian <laughs> as well. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome because like, like when I think about the way hockey should be pitched to general audiences, I think a lot about men and blazers you know you're familiar with men and blazers the, the the soccer podcast and those guys they 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 cover uh soccer internationally and and and, and you know world cup premier league whatever um with such like unbridled enthusiasm like it makes you want to get involved in the conversation whether whether they're being positive or negative there's like an enthusiasm about the thing that they're covering and for a long time in hockey, it's felt like a lot of people covering the sport out of obligation more than like abject enthusiasm about the things that they're seeing. So to have Pat McAfee as sort of like a hype fan doing 10 minutes of highlights on the show and, and putting the spotlight on the things that he likes within the sport is awesome because we need more advocates like that. Like you watch the NHL awards and it's like Jason Priestley shows up. That's great. Love 90210 25 years ago. But like if Pat McAfee shows up, then that's yeah. really cool. That's somebody current and, and and in the zeitgeist and speaking to an audience that may not be watching hockey. So I'm all for it, man. Like I, I I love the fact that he's enthusiastic about it. I love the fact that NHL players are getting on that platform and, and showing off a different side of themselves. It's it's really only a good thing. We would love to see you you on that show of hopefully if he invites mm -hmm. you out. I don't know, man. I, I don't look good in a tank top. So uh <laughs> but no, no, like I I would love to go on with Pat. I mean, I mean he, yeah. he's McAfee fan. Like I, I think that he yeah. his approach to, to this to the sport to sports is great. His approach to that show is great. And I mean, my God, like any guy that can step into a wrestling ring with Vince McMahon is gonna be pretty high in my book. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, the last thing just a very quick thought before we get into like your thoughts on our couple of teams here. I feel like the because the whole international situation where we haven't had best on best, I feel like once that comes back and with how good the US is now and then the rivalry with Canada, I think that will help promote a lot in the US as well because we saw it with the world baseball club. I know baseball is a US sport, but like soccer, for example, people were tuned into the men's soccer this year. 
So I feel like when Matthews versus McDavid finally goes down, eventually Bedard versus Jack Hughes down the line even. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to beat Canada and win gold. <laughs> oh, no, you, no, guys, <laughs> you guys don't have any goaltending to speak of. And, uh, and, Carter know, Hart's looking good. Yeah, <laughs> Unless Tortorella's coaching Team Canada, I ain't going to last. Uh, so, you know, obviously we all know that we haven't gone to the Olympics in the last couple of, of cycles because um, but your point is a good one, which is that there is absolutely nothing that juices an American sports audience more than patriotism and, and jingoism and the uh, chance to see a national team win a championship, be it in women's soccer, be it in the Olympics every four years. Um, it, it's something that, that gets people to watch. And so if we have a situation where the NHL is back in the Olympics and the U.S. is, is playing for its first gold medal since 1980 or trying to win its first gold medal since 1980, I should say. We've definitely had our chances and Canada ruined them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to have people watching and, and, and it's going to be that moment that the NHL has been chasing for a while, which is, you know, Jack Hughes holding a gold medal in his hand. You know, now that's an iconic image for an American sports fan. Um, or you know someone else that doing it. It's you're right. Like that's that's a huge sea change moment for the sport potentially in in the U.S. because you're just going to have so many people paying attention. Don't worry, we have Connor McDavid. And there's no answer for that. <laughs> well, and you still have Sid too. Like I mean, that's the thing that's kind yeah, of funny. Yeah. Is, is is it is it still within the window where we're going to have McDavid and Bedard on one line, and then that like Sid Marchand line? you know, on another line, like you guys are still stacked and loaded. It's just, I don't know who's going to stop the puck. Yeah. No, offensively we're, it's totally Canada defensively, especially goaltending. We all know it's, that's, the that's the U S bread and butter. But so that's I'll what I'm tra- saying. Tra- going tra- tra- like I'm not deputized by the USOC to make this deal, but I'll trade you a goalie. If you want to give us one of the Connors, <laughs> I'll take them going Hughes. <laughs> Nobody named Hughes is going back the other way. Okay, those boys, those boys have to play together for once. Yeah, perfect transition. Um, speaking of Hughes and Demko, obviously we're Canucks fans from the Vancouver area. We always see you banter with Halford and Bruff all the time. Uh, well, listen, I guess because it's radio. But um, off the bat, like uh, thoughts on the team? Early good start, which is you know last two years. Obviously, we've been hearing. They're out of the playoffs within like five games. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thoughts on the team? Where do you think they'll end up? Is this just like a dream start for them or they'll come back down to earth? Or do you think this is sustainable? Because I have them as a wild card one spot. I think you had wild, wild card two. Yeah. I, I also had them in the wild card. And it was weird because I had some people kind of like question it. I did Calgary radio before the season. They were not very happy with that pick. They couldn't understand <laughs> it. It, it was like it was like me saying that the uh, you know the Seattle Mariners were going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like they just they, they couldn't conceive the idea of uh, Vancouver being in the playoffs again. Um, I I think it's sustainable I, as long as they're healthy. I think I'm always concerned about you know guys like Besser who historically had a hard time staying in the lineup. You know, um, PD's got to stay healthy, uh, and obviously maybe the the key to the whole thing is Quinn with the way that he's played. I mean, 25 minutes a night, just playing. It's funny, like, at the beginning of the season, everybody seemed to be on Miro Heiskanen's tip as being the guy who was going to, like, ascend to the Norris Trophy this year. Like, I have no qualms in saying I think that guy probably is actually Queen Hughes as, if he gets the support because he's just been fantastic. 
Um, the thing that's most impressive about him, though, and the thing I really liked about him was the idea that Rick Tockett got a full training camp in most of last season to kind of assess the roster and put his stamp on it. Now, I'm not portraying Rick Tockett to be like Rudd Brindamore, like he ain't like some coaching savant, right? But he is a guy that I think has always been adept at motivating players and understanding players. And, you know, the fact that like two or three games into the season, he was already calling out Vancouver for playing soft is like, all right, that's great. Like keep them on their toes, like, like get yeah, them yeah, yeah. to understand what it is you're looking for. Don't be, don't hesitate uh, to, to lay the law, the law down with a team that needs it. And so I think there's been a lot of positive signs for them early in the season. And I don't necessarily think that, that they're going to wane. Um, sticking to the, in the division, the, uh, I guess the, when we did our season predictions on standings, the one team that drove and I, and I differed from was the Seattle Kraken. So I had them saying they're going to finish sixth behind Calgary and the Canucks at the head of the two, um, California teams, the Ducks and the Sharks, whereas he had them finishing third, third so ahead of LA oh. and all these guys. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> this is like where, I think this is like the team where you can, it's hard to predict based on what was last year a fluke um, or not with Jared McCann score 40 goals. So what are your thoughts on the Kraken very quickly and how do you think they will do? Because they already started I mean, off bad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like fluke is such a tough word, man, because like they, they, they played well last year. They really did. Like yeah. they, a lot of the things and, and they also played well in their first season too. It's just that it was undercut by bad goaltending. The problem is though, is that eventually for teams that absolutely shoot the lights out, there's always going to be regression on, on sh and shooting percentage. And, and they're seeing that in a pretty major way so far this season. That's that's why I picked them to miss the playoffs. Like I didn't think that they were going to be able to be fourth in the league in goals and goals scored like they were last year. Like that's, I don't think that's sustainable. So if they regress offensively and their goaltending still stinks in the regular season, like Grubauer like pulled a Bobrovsky last year, where, like he was like yeah. mediocre in the regular season and was insane in the playoffs. Um, then it's not a recipe to make the, the dance, and and I think that they're gonna they're gonna regress a little bit this year. They won't be terrible. They'll, they'll probably turn it around. I would expect them to put together a, a nice winning streak at some point to make things interesting. But I, but I think ultimately they'll probably fall short of the playoffs. Um, next team, the Oilers. You have them winning the cup, I believe. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Who's thanks. your who's your <laughs> finalist? <laughs> who's your finalist? Here's the the Oilers and the Leafs. The, oh, oh yeah, yeah. All Canadian I, I just, I just, I just want to see, I just want to see your country go insane. I want to see like the Purge Canada when they went True. No, my aunt's a huge, uh, yeah, my aunt's a huge Oilers fan. So she'll love you for that pick. But um, yeah, I, no, I guess pick, our... again, not not to keep evoking Calgary, but I made that pick specifically for Calgary just to see their heads explode. <laughs> do I do I root for the Oilers against the Leafs? Who I hate? Do I root for the Leafs? Who I hate against the Oilers? What the hell do I do with my Calgary? Fans? Yeah. yeah. Um. So mine was the Devils over the Stars, and okay. yours was... I, had, I had Hurricanes over Stars. So what do you okay. think of that re uh, thing? Like, the Stars are, I mean, the, the Stars are a good team, a really good team, and and if they cannot run Jake Ottinger into the ground in the last like month of the season, then I think they'll be they'll be better for it because he he certainly ran out of gas last year. Um, they're good, they're deep, uh, they're talented, they can score goals, they can defend well. It's not it's not a bad choice at all being that they were the bridesmaid last year. Um that being said, Vegas and Colorado look pretty damn good off the blocks yeah. here. Uh Vegas in particular is playing like it's it's like they, they figured something out defensively in the playoffs and they've just carried it over to the season. Like they're playing so well. Um and that's without Petro Angelo too. So like they've they've 
they've done really well. Um, and they're kind of scary right now. Uh, the Oilers are what they are. I mean, they're kind of a mess right now. Uh, they, they are not, they've regressed in ways that I didn't expect, uh, especially uh, with their goaltending, which has been atrocious. Like defensively, they're mid, uh, their goaltending is, is bottom of the league, especially on like high danger uh, save attempts. Um, so it's, it's, it's not good. Um, the Devils are a, a weird one because like, they're clearly going through something right now, um, particularly on defense. And, you know, their team defense last year was great. They used their speed. They were smart. They were, like, owning the neutral zone. They're not playing with the same pace and, like, flow that they had last year. And also, I was telling people, like, the loss of Damon Severson and Ryan Graves off their blue line, while not necessarily, like, two world beaters in their own end, it's certainly going to impact the offense a little bit. In particular, Severson was really good at, at zone exits and making that first pass to kind of spring them the other way. And I think they're they're adjusting to life without those guys back there um, and adjusting to life with Luke Hughes back there, who's a, a different kind of defenseman. Um, they'll be fine, but they, they just have had curious lapses in their effectiveness early in the season that gives me a little bit of pause about them. Um, that that being yeah. said, Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes is probably going to win the heart. That guy is. Well, he's killing playing, it. Play, he's playing on another level right now. I, I I literally never in my life as a Devils fan ever thought I'd see an offensive player this good. Like, in is there prime. a world? Sorry, is there a world where the Hughes brothers just get somehow get the Calder, the Norris, and the Hart? Yeah, <laughs> all three of them. Win, yeah, I mean, Luke Luke winning the Calder is going to be real tough because tough, you're, yeah. you're starting you're starting to see a lot of people lining up behind Bedard for that that trilogy. Yeah. Like Fantilli has been great. Cooley's I think got more points than Bedard through the first few games of the season. Um now you've got this Portra guy on the uh on on Boston who's like gonna be maybe the number one center potentially playing with Marchand. Like there there is more than a few candidates up front that are going to be jockeying for the call that it's going to be unless unless Hughes has a Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr-esque rookie season, it's going to be really hard to break through that noise to win the, the caller for him, I think. Yeah, so Greg, last question here. So there's three undefeated teams, Bruins, Avalanche, and Vegas. Which one do you think is going to fall off first, and which one will remain undefeated for maybe forever? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, uh, my money's in Colorado and Vegas to sustain it. Uh, Boston is still a team that is uh, challenged up front. I think they've had... I'm not a big strength of schedule guy. I think a win's a win, but they certainly have had an easier path than most teams to start the season. Um, look, they're a playoff team. I've said that since the start. I think when your your foundation is uh, Allmark and Swayman and Jim Montgomery's coaching system, and then McAvoy and Lindholm playing uh, most of the game on your blue line, like you're going to be okay. And um, I'm not shocked they've gotten out to the start they've gotten. I, I think, but of those three, they're probably the one you'd have to say is going to probably fall off. Yeah, because a hot take for us was we had the Bruins missing the playoffs, and then right now, overreaction like NFL style, they're probably winning the cup. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I could. I. I mean, I, I think all of us are trying to figure out who who leaves the top three in the Atlantic to then make room for Buffalo or Detroit or or Ottawa. And, you know, I saw a lot of people picking Boston. I think I didn't think that was the right pick. I picked Tampa, which may not be the right pick either because they're doing the thing I was worried about, which is basically winning games based on the strength of their stars. Um, yeah. Could be Florida. I mean, Florida's kind of okay. Not not great right now. But but, but they, have, they have a funny way of getting on a roll as the season goes on. 
I mean, it's it's a Atlantic division. <laughs> it's yeah, just exactly. the hardest division in hockey. <laughs> yep. Uh, Greg, we would obviously we'll have to continue more and more. I know we are gonna let you go here, so we appreciate you a lot for doing this. But before we let you go, promote where could people find you, um, check out your work, and yeah. hopefully we could do this again down the line as well. Would be my pleasure. Yeah, the drop my podcast with Arda. Um, we are in audio form this year. We were just on video form last year, which is awesome news for people who have. Miss me at a hockey podcast uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays on the NHL on ESPN podcasting platform, wherever you get your podcast. We're also on the NHL on ESPN YouTube channel. If you want to watch us in little tiny zoom boxes uh, for some reason. And, uh, and then also my writings on ESPN.com. And if you want more of me doing not hockey things, it is the puck soup Patreon. Uh, if you go to Patreon, look for puck soup. I have uh, four bonus podcasts uh, a month and two, uh, written articles on the Patreon um, about uh, things that aren't hockey. Contractually, can't be about hockey, but are still fun. And yeah. Good to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, everything will be linked down below to check out uh, Greg's work. And Greg, once again, we really appreciate you joining us. This was so much fun. We'll get up 6 a.m. for you again and no problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we buried the lead here. You boys got up super early for me, so I can't thank you enough. I mean, I, 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 I live in california for a couple of years so i know the plight of getting up super early for radio hits um but yeah so i really appreciate that you did that for me yeah no worries um i get up around this time anyways for work so it's just perfect <laughs> get, do this hop to work right away but yeah, exactly. no we appreciate you um and uh hopefully we could do this again and for everybody else watching at home or listening on audio platforms we appreciate you guys well and everything of greg's will be linked down below and um we'll catch you guys on the next one peace, peace.